there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Hi, Dennis. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you because, well, you see people around you all the time, your loved ones, and you can see that they're blaming uh, their situation for things. But it's much harder to uh, determine when you're doing it. And I've been doing this work in my own life. Mm-hmm. And then I was going through your website and I'm just the list of things that you say that this can this can affect. Produce fear, depression, anger, shame, guilt, physical pain and illness, exhaustion, stress, suboptimal performance, your confidence levels, the amount of conflict and drama in your life, relationships with friends, families, partners, and bosses, all directly impacted by our blame addiction. So just, can you just, from there, just tell me what's going on? (laughs) All right, thanks. Oh, just a small topic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, so... It's because I've been on a personal journey of, you know, literally traveling the world. And I just realized about nine, you know, maybe 19 years ago that I needed help. And it was a very selfish journey to go around the world, learn all I could about exercise, nutrition and physical rehabilitation. And I got very much because I was in pain and but I didn't understand the emotional side yet. And it wasn't until I started to venture into that area that it opened up a whole new world that I then traveled the world for the next five, six, seven years, learning all I could about healing in every capacity that you can imagine. I even sold my house. I ended a 10 year relationship with my girlfriend at the time. I sold my car and everything. I was all in. So I had enough money to travel with no concerns about making a living for a period of time. And if I met you and you said, come and lay under this crystal bed and it will heal you. Come and do this ceremony. Come and do this modality. I'm like, I'm all in. Mm. All in. And after that time, it was one of those classic things. I'm like, I felt great for a period of time, but I kept going back to the same place. And it was only then that I just thought, well, I've got to question everything. And I can't remember the moment but I did start to question everything. And I went right back to the source. And it's like, well, why am I stressed? Why am I angry? Well, I'm still blaming mom and dad for stuff. And I'd worked on that through different, different means, but I didn't realize that actually a lot of that stuff had taught me how to blame them more by analyzing that relationship, what happened to you at two, what happened to you at five. And it was exhausting to keep psychoanalyzing with a different person all of your past. And I realized that that can't work. And I realized if it did work, then why did they invent psychiatry, which is the medication to numb you from all the psychoanalysis? And I just realized that I'm getting better and better at blaming and then 
finding ways to control that and cover that up and in the guise of moving on and moving forward. But the healing wasn't actually taking place. And that's what then got me into the world of blame. Because for whatever reason, I started to unpack blame in a way that I believe no one else on the planet has. And that's when I realized all of my stuff comes from that very simple word, that very simple um, concept, which is, I think it's someone else's fault for why I'm in the situation I am. But the question is, who do you think gets the most blame in your life? You're asking me. Yeah. Who gets the most for me? And that was it, wasn't it? I realized at some point I am blaming mom, dad, my sister, and whoever else is in the firing line, your girlfriends or boyfriends. And everyone's in the firing line. But then there is that concept that maybe everything's a mirror of yourself. And the reason why I am angry at you, the reason why I don't like you, is maybe that you're reflecting back to me the bits I don't like about myself. And that's when it really sunk in that, oh, and I can't stop blaming myself. Mm -hmm. I'm addicted. And I was brought up in a, my father was an alcoholic and he was a workaholic. So I'm very aware of that dynamic. And I think that's why I made the connection between uh, blame and how impactful it is on our life. It feels like the world is caught where you were, where you were, oh no, it's my parents. It's like, I mean, when you look on TikTok, it feels like it's a perfectly okay now. Oh, your parents are a little bit troublesome and you had a bad childhood to cut them out. It's toxic. The world is racist. Don't hang around those people. You need to call out those people. You need to call out this. Like it just is a cacophony to me of blame, like I'm blaming other people. And I know there's larger structural issues. And I want to talk about those later, mm. how those fit into your philosophy. Yeah. But do you see this? Do you see this just having reached some sort of fever pitch? Like, how do you see it? Well, you're, you're exactly spot on because that's exactly how I see it. And of course, I'm really aware now that I have my own cognitive bias playing, which is I see everything through the lens of blame. And it just now it makes complete sense to me because I also realize that, as you just pointed out, which you won't realize it's the end point of blame. After you've gone through conflict, the next stage is separation. So that's why anyone that's saying you're the problem, you're toxic, you're a narcissist, so you're out of my life, what they're realizing, they don't realize they're in the final stages of blame, which is separation. Mm. And so now they're just coming up with ever more complex and just and creative labels to justify why you shouldn't be in my life. And that's and that all stems from from that need to get your blame fixed i'm saying you're the reason i'm upset and that's almost like me yeah having that that last drink that extra tequila shot which is like oh that feels good um, but separation isn't the answer time. separation isn't the answer oh very often it, the majority of relationships, whether that's with your partner or whether that's work, if we keep it simple, and of course, family, is that if you take it back, it starts from blame. So a lot of the separation that we have with people is that result. 
is that conclusion. So when I work with clients, they often don't have that separation, uh, even though they're going that way, because that, that element, that foundational element has been taken out of the equation. And once that happens, then you have a lot less separation in your world. But so with my business partner, who is my ex-girlfriend, we had a four-year relationship. And because there was no blame in the end, we still had this amazing company together running corporate programs in leadership and empowerment. And so that can be a really healthy relationship because of that one simple element isn't there anymore. I don't blame her for why we broke up. She doesn't blame me for why we did why we broke up. And we just have this beautiful relationship now. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I realized that something I still do when I'm dating or trying to get out of a relationship or a relationships ending is I have a lifelong pattern of making those have having to make them wrong having mm. to make something wrong with them. And I don't know whether it's that I don't feel confident enough that I just say, I, I just don't want to be in this anymore. But I realized that this year, it's like, I just need to be able to say, I don't want to be this in this anymore. There's nothing wrong. But yeah. that's, what is that? That's me blaming, right? Like that's- Yeah. And that's the other thing, because obviously I hear it a lot where people say, oh, another, another failed relationship. I have this self-sabotaging pattern. I'm, I've got this, you know, limiting beliefs about commitment and all these other things that I hear all the time that people won't realize that's blame. So the only pattern you take from one relationship to the other is your blame addiction. If you want to distill it down to its foundation, it is, and I'm obviously, I'm saying that we've inherited this addiction. It's thousands of years old. So you're born with this addiction. And that's what then finds itself in every single relationship you then have afterwards. So, of course, I hear all the time all these stories. And one of the other ones is that my boss, if my boss was different, I'd be happier. <laughs> my girlfriend my wife my husband that's making me upset and again it's just it's almost like it's it's a distraction from doing the internal work that you will ultimately need to do at some point which obviously we can talk about any at any time but that's because of our our reliance on control as a healing mechanism we we pushing all of our stuff under the rug and we're using all our energy to keep that lid on all of our stuff. That, that's why there's so much chronic illness, chronic tiredness and exhaustion and burnout, because it, there's nothing stronger in nature than your self-honesty that's constantly pushing against any control barrier that you have up. Mm -hmm. And once you've pushed it back for so long and then the honesty comes out, that's when it gets painful. Well, I, it's interesting. You said push under the rug. I always say it's like a pot. Like that's why so many people go sort of lose it in their forties because you've got that. I say it's like a lid on a pot that's just been like boiling for so long and it just boils over. There's just no more room for it. There's just no more space for it. Um, okay. So what do you see in the healing world? Cause when people start feeling this way, what they end up doing is being drawn a, a certain quarter being drawn to some sort of healer whether whether it's a therapist whether it's a life coach whether it's a reiki session whether it's i mean all the i think of all the things i was doing you know like yeah. I, anywhere i would go anywhere 
where do you see in the healing world that this isn't really helping or it might foster or it doesn't get to the crux of what's going on? Uh, like I said, I've traveled the world and I've experienced a lot of those things that you've just said. And they all helped me. They all did. And even if they, a lot of them were coping mechanisms or they make, made me feel good for a while, then I'm eternally grateful for that, that time when I felt great. But again, I just realized that my foundation wasn't changing. So those, those roots were always pushing up to reveal the real me. So, and the reason is even like you could talk about the law of attraction, which is probably one of the most prolific healing modalities, if you could put it in or approaches, people don't realize that that is teaching you again to become an expert blamer because it's constantly teaching you to look at what you perceive as positive and to get away from what you perceive as negative. And that black and white thinking is blame. And it basically it closes your mind because there's so many stories of that thing happening that you think was bad, negative or wrong at some point, And it was a blessing in disguise at some point. Mm -hmm. And I go all in now where I'm saying that that's happening all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's just your blame and your closed mindedness that makes you think that that thing that's happening that you think is not benefiting you. It is. But you've mm -hmm. got to train your perception and open your mind to see it from a different place but okay. you can't all the time you have this unknown addiction to blame because you're in that dichotomous black and white thinking it's too rigid okay okay you know okay i'm just going to tell you a little anecdote from my life something that like two weeks ago yeah. i've always been irritated and annoyed and resentful that I have to figure out all my finances myself, how, where to invest, how to invest in the back of my mind is always my girlfriends have husbands that do this for them. They have an extra income. Every time I've have to make a financial decision, like, Oh, Oh, like, you know, it's just painful. And I was talking to my best friend and she said, my mom, Oh, she had the same thing. She was alone for a long time after her husband and her divorce. And she said, my mom was the same way. And then I said, wait a second. Her mom lives two doors down from my father. Her mom did. I said, my father has never complained about this once in his life. He's He's been doing it as many, his whole life. And it just, I had this moment where I was like, he doesn't think anyone else would ever do it for him. Hmm. He, he doesn't have anyone to blame. He just, and I was talking to him after and he said, yeah, I've never really thought about it. <laughs> is that yeah. just, is that it? Is that what I was doing? Because the freedom since I've had that realization is like, okay, now I need to get to work. This was here for me to figure out all along. All right. So that's a, it is a beautiful moment because it does on some level explain the freedom that you feel when you're not in the blame space. And that's what I hear from my clients all the time is that, that first of all, the silence that's in the head and then the freedom that that then brings. And one of my... I don't know if this happened for you in the last two weeks, but I also talk about that life is designed to be effortless. Hmm. And once you're no longer in that blame space, things seem to just work out. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear. And my life demonstrates that all the time is how effortless my life is. Now, what I mean by that is it's like driving. It's a skill. So when you first learn to drive, it's a nightmare. It's there's no way you're ever going to be able to drive. It's too difficult. 
And then in a short period of time, it's effortless. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about it anymore. The unconscious takes over. And that's what I'm saying, saying about life. We're expert blamers. And that's what's natural for us based on how we've been trained. But then when you get skilled at something else, which could be self-honesty and listening to your body in a different way, then that facilitates the effortlessness. That is how our experience is designed. Like nature. Nature hasn't got any blame in it. And if you leave it to its own devices, it flourishes quicker than you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So, and so that's the correlation. We're the only species that has blame. And we're arguably the only species that has this kind of issue. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when you think of someone who blames, you think of like really the most annoying person, you know, who's whines all the time. You don't think of yourself. You don't think of your friends. You don't think of like the positive people, you know, but we all do it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'm 52. This has just happened to me in the last two weeks. It was a big breakthrough, but how do you get people, you know, and there've been other ones before it, you know, it's been leading up, but how do you get people to do it faster when they're younger? <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and arguably it's actually, you know, that's, that's the journey we're on that I'm on individually, as well as with my other company Roundtable global, where we're making inroads into really helping the youth, you know, and we, we even run a, uh, uh, global youth awards every year and you know we celebrate what these amazing youths are doing around the world and they've been they, they, they've been exposed to blame in a way that arguably this is extreme this generation with the prolific nature of social media i'm not blaming social media i'm saying we've got more access to that blame-based narrative but I feel like that's just a reflection of how much blame there is in us as an individual. And that's why we're seeking it out. So it's not social media's fault. Mm-hmm. It's we're seeking out our hit. So that's the same as alcohol. Alcohol is not the problem. We're seeking out the numbing effect. Mm-hmm. We're looking for the hit. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what this book and this whole philosophy is going to do for the younger generation because it's the first time a philosophy has been put forward that hasn't got any control mechanisms in it at all. So there's no tools, no coping, it's pure healing. And the kids that adopt that, it's going to have a huge and a quick impact, not only on them, but also on on the world, because that's why I love working with teachers and parents. Because I know when they change, the kids automatically change as well. And so it works both ways. I, I hear Okay, we want stories. people to read your book, The Blame Game. But what is there just a trick for someone who's listening to just sort of start to get themselves thinking about where they may be blaming that they have no idea? Well, you, you know, I could, I could ask you that because when we just had that little chat before um, we got on here, you, you said... Just by looking at the title of the book, you started to become more aware of where you were potentially blaming. And that's, that's the first tip is awareness. Because people, it, that's the thing about this addiction. It's unknown. So there's no one has attempted to recover from it because no one knew that they had that issue. So the first <laughs> issue is the awareness. And once you, st- and I hear that from my clients again all the time, which is, Dennis, I didn't realize 
just how much I'm blaming. And once they're on the blame recovery process, the next thing I hear is, Dennis, it's everywhere. My friends, my family, my work, everyone's blaming. It's on the news. It's on your TV programs. It's everywhere. And so the first tip is awareness of it. And so yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. I wanted to ask you about our narrative, our the world we live in, the news, the proliferate. Because you, know, you talked about generational blame, and sure, for sure. But where we you know when we're watching television, we're watching the news, we're documentaries. What what do you advise people to do to see it? Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's it. I think. And that that's that's a, again, people that go on the the recovery process. It's so what you you realize that I've actually said to my clients as well, I, I'm so enamored by their dedication because they didn't have any other resources. All they ever had was me. So that's why I'm really excited about getting the book out there. So at least they have another resource that isn't just me because in their circles, they're going back into the fire. So they're feeling better. And so if they stay with the process and do what I ask them to do, then they can navigate that very easily. But it, it is that understanding that once you're aware of it, then we will naturally gravitate to people that are also on a similar journey. So that's my thing about the, the advice to cut people out of your life. That's easy on a certain level. But the way life is, life's really generous. You're going to get another one. To, to fill that space. And what's even more amazing is that that person will be a more extreme version of the one that you cut out. So you can keep cutting people out. And then what, what are we hearing about lately? How lonely people are. Because they're literally blaming everyone, cutting everyone out of their life. And then the next person that they're blaming when they have the realization is they're blaming themselves. So now they're even spiritually separating themselves from themselves so they 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 now are lost and they have no idea who they are Mm. because they're blaming and hating on themselves so much and that's when the physical pain kicks in and that's why i can help people with any physical condition by taking them through their blame process and their body immediately relaxes and starts self-healing once the blame is not in the equation yeah. When you said that you were in pain, that really was, what, what do you mean? Like, I mean, a lot of people are in physical pain and I don't even think they really acknowledge it. How, how does it cause physical pain? How can you help release physical pain? Well, I mean, again, what you said is really great because one of the things I hear when I'm having a consultation with a new client, for example, I might, I always ask them about their physical condition and they might be thinking, but Dennis, I want to be more successful. I want to meet someone. I want my business to grow. But I always ask about their physical condition because it tells me how far they're into their blame addiction. Because once the physical body starts getting involved, it's, it's getting serious, basically. And, and this is what I realized is that we have accepted the greatest myth that we've ever been sold, which is the mind and the body is malfunctioning. So that's why every modality and philosophy that's out there is based on that premise. It's based on the idea that your mind or your body is doing something wrong. It's malfunctioning, but it's not. It's constantly giving you feedback as to what needs addressing. 
Mm. So if you look at it like that, which is what I now do, I see that my back, my shoulder, whatever your condition is, it's literally a feedback mechanism to say, one, if we keep it simple, you're stressed. But even if we went down the stress route, the question is, what made you stressed? Well, it's your perception of what's going on. And what feeds your perception? I'm saying your blame addiction. That's what creates you being in that world of rigidly and righteously seeing things as right and wrong. Well, that creates physical tension. And, you know, we've got Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic um, practices that show us for five, six thousand years that the organs talk to you, that the body talks to you. And on some circles, that's true. But I don't agree with labeling that your elbow means this or your shoulder means this or your liver means this. It's too restrictive for me. And but if we just take it as feedback and get better at listening to our individual parts of the body, that's when you get information to help you with what needs to be addressed physically or emotionally. It seems like we're in a world where there are more avenues than ever to blame for whatever is going on with you. Like one thing I'm really interested in is all the adult ADHD diagnoses I'm seeing and all the people who are creating their own social media platforms. I'm, I am I have attention deficit now. And that explains my entire life, the way it's gone. Or I'm neurodivergent and you're a normie, but I'm neurodivergent. So that explains everything that's happened up until now. Do you see these examples too? Oh, I hear about it all the time. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I might say to someone, if they're really in that blaming their label, then I might say to anyone, really, you can go onto an online form and fill it in to see what labels you get. And pretty much anyone that does that and fills out an online application, you might get one to five labels. (laughs) And now it feels great because it's another way of getting your hit. And then someone will say, yeah, but Dennis, I can't concentrate on stuff. And it's, yeah, but are you enjoying what you're doing? Yeah. And often the answer is no. So then that's trying to tell a kid that what he should do is sit down for four, five, six hours in one go and learn something that they are not interested in, whether it's delivered in a very bland way. You're going to be looking around. You're going to be daydreaming. You're going to be doodling. You're going to be disruptive because you want to do anything to get out of that space but it's nothing to do with uh any of these labels where it gets confusing for me is when you're talking about larger larger issues like racism like systemic racism or you know the western the developing world versus the developed world and all the unfairness and all the socioeconomic problems and how some people really are behind the game. And we live in the UAE where, which is very stratified. You just have to look around and see how fortunate some of us are. And some of us aren't. Hmm. And I'm not saying you're not fortunate. I'm just saying parts of the world you come from financially, you're going to be in a different place. It's just the way it is. And so Hmm. how do you frame that? Like, how do you put that together? So what have you just described? You've described separation. So again, it goes back to, I don't like you now based on the color of your skin. I mean, Mm -hmm. how much more extreme does it need to get? Mm -hmm. And that's why I keep saying it's thousands of years old. So what's going on in the world today is not because of what's happened even in the last hundred years. 
what's happening today is an accumulation of an addiction that we didn't know we had. And so that's why it keeps getting more extreme. And that's why now I don't like you because of, let's stay with the racism, because of your color. So I didn't have to speak to you to make that blame-based opinion that I don't like you. Hmm. So again, that's for me, I know it sounds so simple that it would come back to that, uh, that answer. But again, everything you described, it does. It's, I don't like you because you don't match what I think is the right way to live. But that's like a Inuit going over to a, tri a Zulu tribe telling them how they should live. When their environments are completely different. But I mean, I mean, also when you're looking, when you are, when you are saying, look, my family has been the victim of systemic racism and say in the US where, you know, people are actually financially far behind because they weren't allowed to get mortgages and they weren't allowed to build, you know, sort of wealth in the way that um, white people were in that way when you really do seem like there's quite an obvious bone to pick yeah and, it, and <laughs> you know is. you're right and yeah the, how do you the do way it I, yeah so the way I've looked at that is we we act we're acting like a or groups act like super organisms and they're acting like super victims now what that means is that what I realized and what was a real eye-opener for me is that every time you blame so you're the reason I'm upset. You're the reason I'm disadvantaged. That immediately puts you into the victim mindset. Mm -hmm. So one follows the other immediately. So without knowing it, you're literally in that victim energy as you're walking around 24 hours a day. And it's one of the heaviest energies to be in where you think the world's unfair, life's unfair. You think a group of people's main purpose in life is to hate on you. And as much as that is demonstrated, and of course, I'm very aware of that happening, I'm saying, I kind of know why. And even when I'm working with children who are getting bullied in school, my ultimate strategy is to get them more confident. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as I get them out of their blame addiction, and they knack what feels the gap is a sense of honest confidence. They go into school the next day, they don't get bullied anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so that for me, once I started to see that, and once I would help a lady in the boardroom, she's telling me that she's getting bullied by all the men in the boardroom. And then I get her out of that blame and that, you know, that feminist way of looking at things. And once she's no longer in that place, she goes back into the boardroom, honestly confident. And the men then treat her as one of the board members, not one of the guys, right. but one of the board members. And now they want to listen to her where they didn't before because of everything she was saying was fueled with victimhood. Right. It reminds no me one... of, sorry. No, no. Well, it just reminds me of women my age will often say, I like, I feel invisible. And I just think, but what are you talking about? Like, are, are you putting your, ability to be visible in the eyes of another person like what you're are you assuming things from other people and they the way they react to you like surely to goodness you don't need to feel seen it's it's you that makes yourself feel seen yeah and yeah do you do you want to be seen so one of the other labels i hear all the time is imposter syndrome so if i 
I want to be invisible in case someone finds out that I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And so that's, you know, in that way, in that unconscious way, you're going, don't look at me, don't see me, don't see me, you know, let me hide. But actually, even that is still is still self-blame. Yeah. You know, and you're blaming your mom or your dad for that story because they kept telling you that you were stupid or whatever it is. And the reality is that story then just keeps feeding that victimhood. So it's not a self-limiting belief or a self-sabotaging pattern. It's just life gets more extreme until you listen. And I'm saying that kind of phrase is, is I hear it often but we don't realize it all roads still lead back to you. And in my theory, to your blame addiction. It's your blame addiction. And things start to get weird the older you get, whether it's a rug you're pulling over it or a lid that you're stuffing on. (laughs) And that's why you, you, and exactly that's why I talk about the butterfly effect because the things get more, you know, it's that whole adage that the flap of a butterfly can create a hurricane in another part of the world. And it's just that idea that something small will turn into something extreme the longer it goes unaddressed. And for me, that that simple interpretation really explains why you're on your fourth marriage or why you're in a job that you hate and why your illness is, is really extreme because you keep thinking that your mind body is is trying do anything he can to hold you back when it's the opposite it's trying to do everything he can to help you and we just haven't no one we just don't see it like that and that's where neuroscience is teaching us how to blame our malfunctioning brain yeah but it's not malfunctioning so the whole premise of their foundation is faulty if you like because it's it, it's on a, it's based on a myth so what kind of people do you work with then? Do you work with everyone? Like, do people come to you for business help? Do people come to you for personal help? So yes, is the answer to that. So my strategy through these years has to really been work with anyone because I wanted that real broad exposure to, to the different personalities because I was learning a trade. I was learning my skill set and I was still experimenting with what I was offering. So, yeah, so I've worked from billionaires, millionaires, leaders, CFOs, and I've worked with teachers. I've worked with homeless. I've worked with Indonesian farmers. I've worked with, you know, just mothers, single mothers, fathers, single fathers, people that are going through divorce. Because, <laughs> but where I love to work is the entrepreneur. I love working with entrepreneurs. I love working with um, people that are interested in their own, the rebels, the crazy ones, as Steve Jobs once said, the people that naturally look at the world differently. And I can see myself in that. So I love working with the artists, the, yeah, even the teachers. It's, it's a character trait I love rather than a profession, if that makes sense. Wow, that is good work. We need more people like you, but there's only one of you. So, um, well, listen, the book is The Blame Game. This is all fascinating. I'm going to be thinking about this top of mind. And uh, I hope we can talk to you again about this because I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, it'd be a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
that's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast. Podcast.